thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Neill. And shut the front door. <laughs> we have got, well, how do you even explain it? We've got two guests in the room with us today. One is a very hot little number that we met at a chiropractic conference. Cindy and I actually just happened to fluke it that we got to sit on this table. And I have to just be honest. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be honest. We sit down at this table at this conference for chiropractors. And I'm sitting next to Cindy, and I see everybody else on the table start whispering to each other. And I listen to what they're saying, and they're going, that's Cindy O'Meara. That's Cindy O'Meara. Oh, my God, that's Cindy O'Meara. She's sitting at our table. Oh, my God, that's Cindy O'Meara. By the end of the night, best buddies with, what, with the fellow that we have in this room, Matt Horner. Absolutely hilarious. A little bit hot. And girls, got to say, not too bad, not too bad. So we had the best, best night. Playing around in Brisbane, it was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then about a year later, I had the luxury of flying over to Perth to do a conference where I got to meet Matt's beautiful wife and two stunning children. And we also had this gorgeous wife here in the room with us today, Chelsea. Welcome. Thank you. And she's pregnant. <laughs> So things do get a bit hormonal. Um, <laughs> I asked if they were over for a duty weekend, and he went, "Well, clearly, yeah. done that. <laughs> so been there, done that." So I knew nothing, nothing about anybody on the table. But we started to to meet people on the table, and I found out that Matthew was a chiropractor in Perth, and I thought well, he's young. And so I'm thinking, my daughter. Didn't know he was married, did I? So I'm going, oh, she did my daughter. She did Wouldn't have changed anything anyway, Cindy. <laughs> it was so funny though. I'm like, oh, my daughter, this, this is perfect. She said that to me, Jen. Yeah. I said, Cindy, you've got a wedding ring on. She's like, oh, I mean, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a <laughs> It was hysterical because she leans over and she goes, You had no idea. Oh, I was going to take the wedding ring off that night as well. <laughs> He's married, Cindy. I went, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> No idea that was going on in the No idea. Mm-hmm. I wasn't actually until you guys sat down, I had Catherine, who works with you guys, go, that's Cindy O'Meara. I'm like, who's Cindy O'Meara? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, great, just got two hot birds sitting next to me and I was just going to lap it up. So. <laughs> yeah, but then you found out that I was the funny one, wasn't it? Yeah, the hilarious one. Absolutely. Well, well, once you told me you were the funny one, I was um, fully aware. So. <laughs> I haven't met you till today, so I want to know what your background is and how you came to being at that conference, and also then I want to know how you two met. What are you just going to give us the whole story? Give you the goss? Um, well, my background is, obviously I'm a chiropractor, um, I have been doing it for the last five years. I actually come from a really strong family of chiropractors, so um, I think I'm one of 13 or something like that. Are you for real? Yeah, so... My dad said he would disown me if I didn't become a chiropractor myself, so I felt pressured into it. Kidding very much, but um, yeah, so I uh, finished school, didn't want to be a chiropractor at that point, but once I got out into the world and realised, you know, this great need to see people improve their health and reach their potential, you know, I decided to to knuckle down study, and actually my first year is actually when Chelsea and I got married as well, so... First year... Out or first year of chiropractic? First year of chiropractic. First year in. 
Yeah. Oh, I feel for you. So just yeah. ask Chelsea who supported me all the way through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, hard. it's hard. She'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was the committed one who got my degree straight away, and so I had just finished my teaching degree and carried him through five years. But that was my one of four jobs to get him through uni. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You did four jobs. Yeah, so I, were um, well, I was a drama, drama teacher. Hold on, please. That was during college. <laughs> That's how I got it. <laughs> no, um, drama teacher, and then I would tutor English or drama after school individually and teach piano students. Wow. And then I would sing in a band at night. Okay, so, so we are so going to have to get you to bust that tune. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it just has to happen. Don't you think? <laughs> well, considering... Kazza is about to have some singing lessons. Oh, yes. I think actually it'd be very important that you did show us so that we don't have to endure the wrath of that while she's learning. Here's a really, you want to do a really weird warm up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you need to put your fingers like on either side of your mouth and then lift them slightly so that you've loosened your mouth, right? And then you need to be able to do like what a horse does, like the, like that. You do that. So yeah. you gotta do that yeah. whilst um, going up and down a scale. So like, can you do that? Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I drive the car with my hands like this, and the kids in the back going. You are amazing. So that I can uh, loosen up my vocal cords. Then we get going. You like to do it. As you can. Oh my god! So, so just as wow. well. So, I mean, so any singers do that? Um, I would recommend it. Only the really good ones can. Yeah, only the good ones. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I always think, you know, for singers, their voice is so important, obviously, mm. but they must also get exhausted and tired. Well, and it's like a muscle, so yeah. you're, you know, you're, you have to warm it up, you have to strengthen it, and then you have to let it rest and cool it down and. Yeah. So did you, when you say you supported Matt through college and the uni and all of the things that he was doing for those five years, do you mean you physically, as in you worked, earned the dollars while he started? Yeah. Well, I mean, what was he like, Chelsea? Well, he, we, have, <laughs> um, we have what we call uni Matt, whereas the larrikin, the fun lover that you see, he disappears and just goes into this zone of survival where it's like... I just have to do this right now and uh, everything's quiet and calm and I sort of stare vaguely past you and um, I just have to get this done, done. So, um, yeah. Other people know it as focus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then once that last exam hits, the beer gets cracked, the footy's on, he's back. He's back. And then, then you get him until, the until, uh, yeah, until Kyra starts again. So I'm interested then, you're saying you're one of 13 chiropractors. So, and you, your dad said, so just bring, lead me into that. Like, who was the first person to become, like, is there a story? Yeah. Uh, well, my grandfather, he was the first chiropractor who was originally from New Zealand. Um, so he studied in America. And, and what was his name? Bill, or William. Bill yeah, Horner. Bill Horner. And so he came over to Perth, and he actually, he was a bit of an entrepreneur. He was a real go-getter, so he owned a farm and also had many practices around. So he had four kids. And back in those days, under the Act, chiropractors weren't actually legally termed doctor. So what he actually did is he actually called all four of his kids on their birth certificate doctor. And then their next name would actually be their middle names, 
just in case any of their kids decided to become chiropractors. Isn't that amazing? Legally, their name was actually Dr. Philip Horner or Dr. Jamin. Or in my uncle's case, being the last name Horner, my grandparents, in their wisdom, decided to, on his birth certificate, call him Dr. Little Jack Horner. And oh, so, they did not. No, they did. Yeah. So, um, oh, just no. It is a well-known... It is a well-known myth, but it's not a myth, but it's like this... Well, we've just confirmed story. it here. I know. It's, <laughs> it's a story, story through the chiropractic profession. It is yeah. an exclusive, and it's always been this thing that somebody called their kid, Dr. Little Jack Horner. Yeah. I remember... I've known it for, for And so it's true. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> just in case any true. of them decide yeah. to go on to become chiropractors, and then they obviously change in the actual chiropractors could be references, doctor. And then my parents actually thought, oh, well, let's carry on this tradition. So they called my brother Blake. His first name was actually Doctor, um, even though chiropractors could be called Doctor at that point. And then they got to me and realised, oh, that's a pretty dumb tradition to carry on. So it finished there. I'm so, <laughs> so glad about that. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Can I just go back to your grandfather? So what, do you know what year that was in Perth? 19... Oh, it had to be in the 60s, I'd say. The 1960s, 60s or 50s? Yeah. Possibly. So I do not, because my dad graduated in 1959 from Palmer College of Chiropractic. He started in Victoria as a chiropractor in the 1960s, so I think it was around June 1960. And he was the 11th chiropractor in Victoria and the 40th in Australia. So your grandfather was probably one of the pioneers of chiropractic. And and if, if we want to go back and look at the history of chiropractic, it's been persecuted They've put money aside, political medicine has put money aside to get rid of it. They didn't like this drugless art of healing. And, and so this is the position that your grandfather was in, is that if they did do that and stop them being able to be called doctors, because in America you've got a doctorate. Yes. But in Australia you get a Bachelor of Applied Science with an honorary doctorate. But so do medical doctors. They get a Bachelor of Science, but they're honorary doctors. They actually are not... Like a PhD doctor or anything like that. Yeah, so I remember my. I didn't know that, Cindy. Sorry? I didn't know that. Yeah, and so that's where your grandfather was, was that he wanted his sons to be. It was all sons, wasn't it? Yeah, and one daughter. One daughter. I don't know if she got the doctor, I'm not too sure. Yeah, Yeah, but you know, that's what the whole premise, and and this, like I said, this is an urban myth that we're now showing is actually. Breaking that, news. Your yeah. grandfather was really protecting the profession and yeah, protecting. Well, it was very innovative. Very innovative. Very innovative. <laughs> yeah. Especially the little Jack one. I yeah. like that one. He took, <laughs> it, took it too far there, I think. <laughs> my little wet Jacob, I've got a son called Jacob, but when I was pregnant and we thought we were going to have a boy and we knew his middle name would be Daniel because I'm married to a Daniel, Jack, my husband's going, What's wrong with Jack? You know, Jack Daniel would be great. And I just went, you're just Jack taking Daniel. it a little bit too far, <laughs> which is why we settled on Jacob Daniel. So, what's, his, what's his nickname, though, Kim? Yeah, Jake. Oh, Jake. Yeah, JD. JD. Jake, little brat. Yeah. Um, naughty. Yes, all those things. Um, so, you've got two children. Mm-hmm. I'm not fast forwarding a little bit because I want to go back to the story again. But is your. I just need to know, did you call them doctors? No. Okay, great. No. I was just checking. Yeah, no, we're normal. Yeah, we're normal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, to, to be a doctor now, you know, you can get a PhD. There are many forms of, of getting it. And I think chiropractors have the honorary one, like medical doctors too. They, it's, it's, they actually are not PhDs, which is the people that are called doctors, but mm. they have honorary doctorates. And 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You, where did you graduate from? Uh, over in Perth at Murdoch you're in, Oh, you were at Murdoch. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We did talk about that too, yeah. yeah. Murdoch. Because that's where my daughter Casey is, is at Murdoch. And mm. I remember your advice to me when I was saying about Casey, your advice to me was to say, knuckle down, do what you need to do, and then get out and do what you want. Yeah, we, we always did by the mantra there. It was just cooperate to graduate. You know, don't go there to get an education, just go there to get your degree. Yeah. So, you know, your education takes place in, you know, listening to podcasts and going to seminars and things like that. Yeah. Would you say that the same for any degree? Like, what about your teaching degree? Do you teach differently to teachers? Um, well, I don't, I, I didn't find that my degree tried to dictate how I should be in a classroom, but rather give me the avenues to work out how I want to be in a classroom. So I found that to be a lot more of a um, taking you through that process as opposed to being a bit more autocratic. It's actually interesting. <laughs> My mum's just completed her Bachelor of Creative Writing here on the Sunshine Coast. And a guy came in when they first started the year, this year, and he came dressed in, a, in, a, in an outfit. I think he was a knight in shining armour. And he said to them, he said, don't let your degree stand in the way of your education. Mm. Mm. He said, you're here for an education. He said, yes, you'll get a degree. He said, but don't let the degree be what you're here for. He said, you're here to be educated. So it's, it's a bit, it's, it's tragic actually then that a degree can just, or, 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 or a, a learning institution can be more about conforming rather than... Well, it's an institution. So it is about conforming. And that's what an institution is. You go to an institution, you're institutionalised within the degree that you've decided to take. Mm. So medicine is institutionalised, chiropractic is institutionalised, teaching is institutionalised. So we're all institutionalised. And so then what we have to do is, you're right, once you get out, then you start to do your your learning processes. Like I think about how I was institutionalised with my degree. It was, you know, low fat, (laughs) high carb. Um, eat margarine, like you know, all of this stuff, and, and you know, you got so to cooperate to graduate. It was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think so. I think you know, people don't have the appreciation of just how amazing the human body is. Mm. Um, so we try to like put a box on it, and we just try to put all these boundaries in place. Um, and for some people, that's scary. Um, so we have to try to put boundaries on it. And you know, unfortunately, we, we as students, you miss out on a lot on, on the actual what is possible. What would you wow. say is your greatest philosophy or value then around chiropractic? If I, if I was completely new to it, what would you say to me that chiropractic is and how does it differ to traditional medicine or traditional orthodox therapies? Um, Probably like a big thing is understanding that all of the healing power that you need is in within you. And so now it's about finding ways to get that out. Um, you know, it's not about taking a drug. It's actually about how do we get that out of you? And, you know, using what we do with the adjustment and other supportive, you know, modalities, whether it be nutrition and exercise and, you know, where the mindset's at and things like that. It's about having that appreciation of that the human body is so amazing and we don't even fully understand it yet. So let's respect it for that and then just find ways that we can then just help express and get that potential out. And do you think everybody is healable? Well, it depends on what you look at, what sickness is. So is someone with cancer, is that someone who's sick? Or is someone without cancer but with real faulty behaviours that's sabotaging their relationships? So we like, to, we like to look at a diagnosis because if we can put a label on it, then we can treat it. But we can have people out there that are in a low vibration state who aren't expressing life to its full potential. I see them as sick. 
And so whatever we can do to help bring people closer to their purpose or closer to um, reaching their greater potential, um, I think we can help. I think everyone can benefit from chiropractic. Is there an optimum level of health that we should all be aspiring to? I think it's relative to everyone. So I think it's looking at, at you and you living at your optimum in all the different areas of your life, whether it be socially, financially, physically, spiritually, whatever it is. I think, I think everyone has an optimum. And I think we should always be going for it. Because once we achieve, I don't think you achieve it, I think it's a journey. Because mm -hmm. the moment you achieve it, then it's, well, what next? No, I agree with you. I think everybody has an optimum. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, is that we, we actually talk about this a lot, is that most people have lost their way and they have been institutionalised within the ranks of a diagnosis and treatment. So we had Dr Sarah Farrant um, here many, well, over a oh, year ago, yeah. and Sarah said diagnosis means die, meaning two, I diagnose him two people who don't know, and treatment means treating the mind. So when you, you actually look at the actual terminology of it, and when you look at the statistics of diagnosis and treatment, that one of the greatest clinics in the world, which is the Mayo Clinic, only has a success rate of 36%, that they diagnose the right disease and treat with the right treatment, and 36%. So when we don't diagnose and we don't treat, but we allow our human body to have its full potential, then I think that that's a far greater way to look at health as opposed to let's diagnose, treat, done. Would you, would you agree with that? Is, you know, rather than looking at a diagnosis and a treatment, why not just raise the vibration of the human body through chiropractic, nutrition, um, mental attitude, um, sleep, you know, all of those things? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's about treating the person as, as whole and complete. So it's about actually um, looking at the person as a, as, as a whole entity as opposed to just picking something out and trying to reduce that or reduce the noise of that mm. diagnosis. Um, that's where I think we've got really boxed in with, with what our view of health is. Um, people just want to reduce the symptoms as opposed to what do I need to actually do to actually eliminate the cause or what actually what choices or what choices have I not made that's actually driven me to this state. Mm. Yeah. And I love the way you say you see the body as whole and complete. So even though a person can turn up in your clinic broken or all sorts of stuff going on physically, you still see the body as whole and complete. So if I turn up into your clinic, I don't see myself as whole and complete, but you hold that view for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the most, I think that's really compelling because it's, you know, you go into a medical practice or, a, you know, a, a, a medical centre and they're not holding that view for you. They're acknowledging and agreeing, yes, you are broken. In fact, you're more broken than you think, so you're going to need some extra stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're not holding that view that you are in and of yourself, have and always will be whole and complete. Now let's just let's just support you so that you know that again, mm. yeah, or that you experience yourself as that again. Absolutely, it's and it's, it's really important to have, have that mindset because you, if the moment you take away hope, the fact that I have when we see whatever the person in their broken state may be, having that philosophy and that knowledge of that seeing them complete means that I then have a hope for them mm. and so we can actually share that hope with them as opposed to I oh, just accept it yeah 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 I think the way to liken that is the minute you give birth you see that baby as whole and complete Absolutely. and beautiful and a whole life of 
potential in front of you and you'll do whatever you can as a mother or a father to create that holistic environment in order to have for that to express itself in its fullest way. How have you both, did you match values and philosophies before you met, like when you yeah. came together? We didn't meet each other on a dating site, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, went well, the, we, yeah, we went the traditional way, <laughs> just got out in the world, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we came from quite similar backgrounds, um, and so there wasn't any intention to go through that stuff, but... I think, you know, you always have to work through stuff as, you know, as any married couple does. We're coming up 10 years now, so wow. you go through your highs and lows through that. But, you know, you, you do solidify your values um, through that. So what, what's your background, Chelsea, as far as, you know, your thoughts about health? Because I know I was brought up in the same way as you in that, in that I was brought up in a chiropractic household I was the belief of holism, vitalism, the innate intelligence of the body, does, you know, give it the right resources and it will do the right thing by you. Whereas my husband was brought up in a very medical world. And so there had to be conversations about how we were going to bring up our children. Did you, where were you, where were you in your um, stance on how to bring up the children in their health, as far as their health goes, and, and every other way? I think that my parents are definitely a lot more medically minded than we're definitely than when where Matt grew up. However, not to the point of thinking that that was the only solution. They weren't so you know they weren't really stuck in that paradigm. But we have a lot of mental illness in our family, and definitely when it came to that side of things, it was just about well that's just how it is, and so we need medication to source that um, to help with that. But I never took on that. Because observing that from my brother and my mum and my cousin and my, my grandfather and everybody else in the family grow a little oh. bit nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're just, they might listen to this. <laughs> they know. They <laughs> know. Um, yeah. you, you think we have a reputation when it comes to crap, don't you? Yeah, watch out. <laughs> Yeah, but like it was so obvious to me that that wasn't the truth. It's like, well, you've been taking this for years. So for me, that was that was never something that I was intending to um, when follow were you down. Of the belief, how old were you when you started having that belief? Oh, since I can remember, I, I've been around it since I can re- since I can remember. So it was just always like, well, that doesn't make sense. Oh. It makes sense if that actually all you needed, then it would be fine. So there's obviously other issues going on there. And um, what I found with my mum and my brother, especially, that um, once. Um, that bit of ownership was taken, which has happened slowly over years, that's where I really started to see an improvement. Or really, the, the mum and the brother that I always saw coming out of, out of almost like a trap, you know, and um, it, wasn't, it wasn't the medication that did that. The medication probably kept them from, you know, causing all our lives to be a bit more difficult. But for them as people, it was when they were actually starting to go, you know what, I'm actually going to delve into this and see and look at why I make these decisions and why I'm triggered by this and stuff that's really made a difference to them and um, and I think I've applied that to myself as well and seeing a lot of benefits um, yeah with actually looking at well what, what actually is the source of this and looking beyond physical is it mental is it emotional is it an experience where, like where is it actually coming from um, let's have a look at that and um, have seen health improve hugely 
for myself and in my family. Um, and then so it, the, it was almost refreshing for me, the, chiro- the understanding of chiropractic, because I was just like, well, that, of course, like, you know. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't take me much to jump on board. Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, we did. We told you, we warned you. She would go there. I mean, going on from that is when I taught Chelsea that we had all been born at home as children, she was very adamant, do not ever think that I'm having children at home. And you can ask Chelsea how many kids we've had at home now. How many kids have you had at home now, Chelsea? All of them. them. Planning a surge. Yeah, love it. Love it. Yes. But it was funny because, like, although I I really said that, if his mum, like, her first baby... She was on a um, like a commercial video, and I'm like, what? And I hear this coming to his family. I'm the first girl. So he's got three brothers. I'm the first official girlfriend coming into that family, and so you know, I'm paving the way. All the other girls can thank me. And I just remember seeing it. The don't talk. You're like you. You did what? Like you're you're all over everywhere. (laughs) Um, But. Matt, Matt, and they, they don't, they never try to push their view, but Matt just started to say, well, you know, have you ever thought about the fact that, you know, if you're at home, that, that, you know, the husband gets to have a bit more of a, um, participate in that process. And you're like, oh, okay. Have you ever thought about the fact you get to sleep in your own bed? Have you ever thought about the fact that once you go into labour, you don't have to pack up and stress and get to the hospital, you just go up and turn the TV on? You know, and I was like, oh, actually, these kind of things sound quite nice and relaxing and... The program that we've birthed in is a government-funded program, Community Midwives in Perth. And so you, you get the best of everything because I've got these amazing qualified midwives who are there to cover the, the medical safety side of things. And then we get the power to be in charge of the atmosphere and the process and stuff like that. So, oh, I love birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you get a pool? Yeah. Yeah, births in water. Mm. Yeah. Our, one of our girlfriends has had, um, she had her baby at home and she had a midwife as well. And she did hypnobirthing. So through the whole pregnancy, she said, no one is allowed to tell me about their, their war stories. I don't want to know about it. I'm not even going to allow my mind to go there. I'm not imagining anything. She said, if you've got a good birth story, I'm happy for you to tell me. But if it's not a good birth story, just, I don't want to know. And she ended up giving birth at home. But her husband had said, no, 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 you're going to the hospital. Anyway, it didn't work out that way. Straight after the baby was born, she said, I could do that again. That did not hurt. And I had her on my show, Karen's Couch, just recently. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And she got quite emotional about it. Mm -hmm. And shortly after we had her on, we had the midwife on. And it was really quite, it was such an empowering, because I don't have kids, so it was such an empowering conversation to have. To actually hear the the relaxation, the sense of calm, the sense of peace. Because, you know, when you haven't had kids before and it's your first one, all you think of when it comes to having babies is legs in the air and screaming and scratched faces. And Are you talking scary. about making the baby? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you lost me there for a moment. I beat him to it, didn't I? You did. You did. Hello. You did. Welcome to the show. <laughs> She's happy now. <laughs> Sorry, Jackie, go on. No, no, I'm going to ruin my moment. <laughs> Who's the hilarious one now? Yeah. Oh, don't you worry, girlfriend. I'll be taking that man right back. <laughs> <laughs> he is so true about the 
about the um, I don't I mean I'm totally not anti hospital birth or anything, but mm. just about that understanding that the process of birth isn't just about the baby coming out at the end. Yeah. But it's it's almost it's a right of passage. And if you take if you take that power away from a woman, I think that you that it's something great. Like I have friends who I, I know they're like, Oh I know it's okay. I just, you know, wish that I know I could have been able to yes. you know that kind of thing. And I'm not saying that's home birth. That still might be I need to have a cesarean because this is the best choice for me at this time and, and for me my baby. But the power needs to come from mm. from that person and I find that that's the beauty of where of how we birth and a lot of women get that taken away simply because it's like it's just about getting the baby out. We should be happy because your baby's alive. And I, I think that birth is it's it's so emotional, it's so it's, it's, it's yeah, it's so much more than that. And I found that once after I'd given birth I was like, I am like superwoman now. I created a human, you know. And like, so um, for me, like, I remember even walking down the street and just like, there, there was a difference. I was like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm a woman. I'm a invincible. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, I'm a woman. Do you know what I thought? I thought. They've all been talking about, you know, because you have you have your horror stories. Yeah, and they all talk about it. Mine was after the birth of my first child. I went, oh, that's what they've been talking about. It was like you're in a knowing, like no one can tell you what it's about, and it's like that you now are in the knowing, and and there's only a select group of people that get to be in that knowing, and they are women who give birth. So the men never get to to experience that. So that's that's what I felt. It was like a aha moment in my life yeah i felt that the thing about the hospital because both of mine were born in a hospital i feel looking back that it was done with fear as Mm. opposed to power Mm. so um my midwife would have been and the thing i love in new zealand midwives are actually a lead maternity carer so you don't have a gp and and here in australia it really staggers me how the midwife is not seen with power, mm. which is why I think the more you younger ones are having home births and really giving voice to the midwives, I think it's a really powerful place to be because they are really in it. A doctor, I think, has a place if there's complications and certainly if they're really into birth, they're a beautiful person probably to have around. But in all honesty, my experience was that the hospital, you, you had to have your baby at hospital because if anything goes wrong, Mm. And I kept saying, but what if it goes right? Mm. And they were like, oh, no, 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 but, you know, you, your placenta, you, you've got a decent placenta, you, uh, you know, it's, it could be placenta previous, so we're going to have to... I, I went into hospital freaking out, thinking, yeah. oh, my gosh. I think most people do, though, don't they? Well, fear's a big motivator for people. And to go to the hospital. Yeah, and I don't want anything, I think, fear's a big motivator, especially the way, you know, with the media today, you know, we like to sensationalise everything and put out all the bad stories on the news. So fear is a big motivator for people, and it will drive them to do whatever's necessary. You know, whatever the doctor yeah. tells them to do. I'll yeah, do you're it. right. It, we, it's a lot going on about fear. Like you know, the whole thing on Ebola at the moment. Oh. You know, it's like it's like a mad. It's like a frenzy at the moment regarding it. And you know, we have hemophilia in our in our family. And in the eighties, there was the AIDS crisis, and all my uncles got AIDS as a result of blood transfusions. And my aunt is on social media at the moment, just going. 
this is exactly like AIDS. I've seen this before. Mm. There's a frenzy about it. Everybody gets scared. They don't want to be with people that have got Ebola em- em- or AIDS. And, and she's just basically saying it's like this whitewash happening of fear that is stopping us looking at an- another issue that's more important, and that's humanity. Yeah. So, you know, I, you're right. Fear, fear motivates a lot, and fear motivates us to go to hospital. Mm. Mm. There's a really good documentary. Remember the old... TV show host Ricky Lake. Yeah, she did a, yeah. a, a really good documentary on the business of being born. Um, that's a, that's the title of it. Oh wow! Yeah, really good. And, and, uh, and what I remember, she came from the position of her friend was pushing home birth, and she was anti it. So she went into the self exploration of why would I want to have a home birth? And then they were showing studies that showed that in hospitals, when it came to C sections, there was a huge spike at two times, and it happened to be the hour before doctors were knocking off from work. Because for them, you only get paid upon delivery. So okay. Yeah, so what they were finding is there was this huge spike at, you know, for example, 8am, because that's when the doctor would knock off and the new doctor would take over. And then another one at 5pm. So then it started to go where these obstetricians were making decisions for the mum, but with this conflict of interest based on, you know, the payment at the end of it. And at the end of it, she has a home birth herself. So She yeah. went from a... She had a hospital birth and she felt like something... For her, was missing or lost, and then yeah, went this exploration, and then had her birth at home, and yeah, felt like she found what she was looking for almost. So yeah. it is really interesting, really eye-opening. It is American, which is a little bit different to here, but it does. It's really good food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want to watch my mum's home birth, one night, so you know she did that with her. Oh, do you do? Yes. Yes, what? you oh. don't recall that, or if you blocked that from your yeah. memory. I would suggest you would. I went to counselling for that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and she's American, so it's like, oh, and here he comes, you know. Was it your birth? I think it was my birth, wasn't it? Was it your yeah, birth? It was yeah. Matt's birth. And been. this is back in the 80s before That's... Brazilians as well, kids, so. <laughs> That's traumatic. <laughs> oh, man, it, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're sitting in a room. Doctors will know that there's something at her vagina. I mean, Just wanted to be by myself, just do it, uh, you know, because you do, you go into yourself, you go completely into yourself and you really don't know what is happening around and I kind of go, I didn't want interferences because I had Fran at my ears saying, shh, you'll be fine, shh, but I didn't want to be shh, 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 I wanted to express how I was feeling, you know, (laughs) and I didn't express a lot, I wasn't a a loud labourer, but (laughs) I 
And it used yeah. to have power. So, yeah. so in, in centuries gone by, our doctors were herbalists and they were very much about tinctures and and sitting with you and bedside manner yeah. and rapport and feeling the body and all of that. And then as we've moved away and realised and what Kurt Schnabel always talks about is the fact that there's no money in mm. a herb, but there's a lot of money in a drug mm. and, yeah. and the research. Mm. And, and a lot of the oils, for instance, from my point of view, there's no double-blind studies done on certain things because it's been around for 4,000 years, mm. documented, but there's no double-blind, so therefore it's got no valid, validity, and therefore, but the double-blind um, scenarios on such and such a drug and the money invested, I, I just sit there sometimes going, wow, sometimes we can't even, we, because we don't have a science or some sort of research, is that where we're undoing ourselves in Western culture? Yeah, I think so. And I think we've also lost the appreciation of intuition. So, you know, one thing is, you know, we really try to push them. It's like, what's your gut telling you? I mean, because that's so perceptive. We don't even fully understand. It's only up until recently that we now say that the gut is an extension of the brain, which was, you know, a foreign concept. So we're still learning so much and we perceive so much that we don't even understand yet. So, you know, getting back to trusting that intuition is, is really important as well. But what's the underlying fear? For doctors, then, if this is the case, how could doctors not sit on the same platform as what we're all suggesting here and actually go, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, is, it, is it money? Is absolutely. that the only driver? Yeah, absolutely. Because who's got something to lose if we go to natural medicine? Like, I the think pharmaceutical it's a, companies. the pharmaceutical companies are the ones, and they control political medicine. Yeah. And then medical doctors are institutionalised within political medicine. Yeah. But you find that there's these breakaway splinters that are happening. Yeah. And I'm meeting them all the time. And these are doctors that are institutionalised come out and go, this isn't working. Yeah. I'm giving this drug and this drug and this drug to these symptoms, yet they're getting sicker and I'm having to put them on another drug, another drug. So I think, I, like, I believe that there is a really nice grassroots movement happening yeah. within the medical field. But the problem is, I was talking to one from Tassie over the weekend. He's... Up, um, under um, APRA, you know APRA? Yeah. Okay, I can't remember what exactly it stands for, but it's a wrap on the knuckles type of... Um, yeah, it's the, reg reg uh, the reg regulation board. Regulation yeah. board for chiropractors, medical doctors. He, he's being uh, pulled up by them mm -hmm. and looking at his, what he's doing. Yes. And all he wants to do is change food in, in um, hospitals. Yeah. That's all he wants to do. He says, I'm an orthopedic surgeon... I treat diabetics for, for knee and ankle problems because of their diabetes, and then you feed them carbs. Yeah. And he goes, oh, it doesn't make any sense. What's the point in me fixing them if you're just going to create more problems? So, you know, and the whole double-blind study thing, I heard this the other day. I thought it was quite funny. And I understand what a double-blind study is, but somebody said, why do we need a double-blind study when we have two eyes? <laughs> oh. Seriously. <laughs> have you found also that... Well, some of the people that we've met, the doctors in the, in, the, in the orthodox world, become interested in holistic or alternative or complementary, whatever we want to call it, medicine, when they themselves have gone through a health crisis because then they realise mm. what they're doing isn't working. And often, and I think, I can't remember who we were talking to, and they said it's often when it hits the doctor themselves that they or their children or, or someone yeah. very close. Or like Natasha Campbell was her child... Um, the head of the AMA, or she was the head of the AMA, um, Karen Phelps, it was her, 
and all she did was go to her doctor and the doctor just kept wanting to give her drugs and she said, this isn't working, you know. Mm. So, yeah, you're right, it is. But as far as chiropractic goes, I think you've already got the idea before you even go into college. You know what, what the body's capable of doing. Most people, not all, but most of the students that go in understand what, well, that's my belief. Maybe I'm wrong. Here. No, I, I th- for the for the majority, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't become a chiropractor so you can go out to the community and be popular. You know, <laughs> like you're not doing it because it's because it's like the most popular choice and everyone loves you and there's no adversity to what you do. Like it's it's because you've actually got at a gut level. It's like no, you know, something's not right here, um, and I'm just trying to do my part to you know to change that. So, give me a brief way on how chiropractic works compared to orthodox medicine. So what's maybe, the... Yeah, maybe um, a case study. I've been th- one, thinking this the whole time. A, a case study of yours that's that maybe been to medicine, you were their last hope. Yeah, okay. So maybe the premise for understanding is we're not a reductionistic point of view. So we're not looking at classifying symptom and just simply quieting that symptom down or reducing that symptom. Um, that's the same as if your house is burning down and your fire alarm's going off. I can only just take the batteries out, so now long, there's no longer a, a siren going off, but the problem still exists. So, we, you know, we, we're right from the very start saying we're not just here to reduce symptoms, we're actually about trying to find the cause. Um, so, um, from our point of view, it's about actually looking at the person from the whole. Yes, we will ask some questions specific to, you know, the complaint that usually drives them, drives them in, but then we start to look at other areas of their life in regards to what do they have in regards to the stress in their life. So, whether it be physical stress, whether it be posture, repetitive tasks, sporting injuries, car accidents, whatever it is, you know, that's physical stress they have in their life. And then there's also emotional stress, so relationships, how they're connecting with loved ones and family, there can be some trauma in there as well. Finances, that's a big one when it comes to emotional stress. And then we also look at chemical stress, so additives in our food, pollution, um, you know, drugs, whether it be illicit or prescription, you know, that all puts chemical stress on the body. So we identify what's stressing them. But then we also look at, well, what are we doing to increase our resistance? Now, we know a lot of them, you know, nutrition is important, exercise, positive mindset, rest and relaxation. But you have to have a healthy nervous system. Now, our nervous system is what controls every function that goes on in the body. It's what copes with stress. It's what makes changes to stress. And that's how we're able to function in this world. Now, the nervous system is protected by the spine. Now, if your spine's not working properly because it might be due to poor posture or whatever may be causing it, some sort of old injury... That's going to put stress then onto the, onto the nervous system itself because it's wrapped right around it. So if we can just clear out those channels by adjusting the spine is how we do it, there's other techniques of doing it, you're just giving the body an increased possibility or probability of being able to function the way that it was designed to do so. So we see people quite often coming in and it might be, I've got a low back complaint, and we will go through a full history and physical exam and do whatever tests we need to do to ascertain the full story of what's going on here and yes we might get rid of their pain but when we start doing our progress exams or making sure we're doing our reviews to look at outcomes we start noticing things like their sleep has improved and their breathing's improved and now their relationships have improved and their life and intimacy has improved now they didn't come in here saying Matt help me with my intimacy problem <laughs> <laughs> but you start getting tired you you've got it right <laughs> <laughs> but, but what happens is you start helping a, a whole person, and you'll start to see it manifest in other areas of their life. Um, do I go out there and say, oh, you need to see a chiropractor because it will help with your intimacy? No, but the, the fact that we have an appreciation that the human body is amazing, and we don't fully understand it, and we see big changes take place in people, 
you know, it's mm. yes, it, it may help that, but that's not why you should see a chiropractor. And do you think a chiropractor should be regular, or is it only when you're in pain? Do you brush your teeth once you see a cavity? No. Why not? Because I would. I wouldn't. Because yeah. <laughs> you're trying to prevent cavities. Yeah. You know, do you get your car serviced once it breaks down? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same with the human body. We're really hard on our human body. Mm. You know, we're back in the old. You know, uh, one study was showing that the human brain experiences as much stimulus in one day as what a human brain would experience in a whole year a hundred years ago. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. So, right? yeah. so back in the old days. Is that because of technology? Well, you know, think about the lifestyle of someone a hundred years ago. They would wake up, have the same breakfast, go out into the field, do the same daily chores to come home, have the same, you know, nightly meal, which would have been all local produce and so forth, to do the same nightly routines and go to bed. Whereas now, we're driving a one and a half ton piece of steel down the road with another one and a half ton piece of steel coming straight at us. We miss each other by half a metre. And we do this by listening to the radio on our mobile phone. And because we're so busy, we're eating a meat pie. So look at the fuel we're putting into our body. We're requiring our body to do so much more tasks every day. So we're harder on our body than what we've ever been. And that's okay, but you have to look after it. You know, look at drag cars. They go 400 metres down the road, and then they rebuild it. So we're looking for the performance of a drag car, but we only have to service it like the old trusty diesel tractor. And that's what I, you know, if you want to use your body hard, great, but you've got to look after it. Mm. We're using them harder than what we ever had before. So. What's optimum then? Once a week, twice a week? It's, well, everyone's an individual. Everyone's an individual, so... For me, like, I see some people every single week. Some people, I, I adjust them every single week, and it might be because they've got an old injury that took place in their childhood, and they're still going out doing the same things that are aggravating, or, you know putting a lot of stress on it, and that's what their body needs. I have some people I adjust them once every two months. Just to, you know, everything's moving really well, no problems, you know, how's it, how have you been the last couple of months? Fantastic, great, let's keep that. So, yeah, I everyone's see, different. I see my chiropractor, I was seeing her twice a week, and then I went to once a week, and then I went to once a fortnight, and then I had to go back, straight away, back yeah. to twice a week. And I said to her, so how do you determine whether I come, like how I come back? And she said, well, we look at how you hold your body. She said, mm. we look at how you're holding yourself. You know, in between visits, if your body holds itself well, so then it can continue to function. Can it resist the stress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I, I tell people there's two things that I look for. One, how you're feeling. But two, what I feel. So if they say, I feel great, but I can feel all this tension building up in the body that's trying to adapt to, you know, it's being over, overburdened by stress. It's like, you might feel okay, but if we let this go on, now you're gonna, you'll start exhibiting symptoms down the track. Oh, yes, yeah, sometimes we have a, 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 a warped feeling of what our body, what's okay. Hmm. I mean, for some people, if you've been eating bad diet or you're like, you think that's normal. Yeah. So I think having someone like you as a check-in yeah. as to how we're feeling. I mean, the three of us all met up at the chiropractor all at the same time the other day. It was so, <laughs> so funny. funny. Yeah. And we're all fancy seeing you here. Yeah. But I think what I love about it, and my kids come, and they're coming every week, the minute I was pregnant with both my children, I didn't know very much about chiropractic, but I had them both booked into cranial osteopaths from the minute they were six months in, in my tummy. And we did a lot of cranial osteopathic work as they were born. But now, and they are like, I watch them on the table. They're just, they've had massage, they've had all sorts of treatment all their life, adjustments and things all their life, but they lie on the table and they are like, take me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they so surrender. Yeah. Are you guys like that with 
your babies and, and like how do you look after your family? What do you is there a, a protocol around what you do in the home as opposed to the clinic? Yeah, I mean, well, I work with Chelsea, so she's getting adjusted every week. Um, you know, we just got a phone call from our you know three year old daughter this week um, saying, "I'm you know I fell over, Dad. I need an adjustment." Aww. You know, the other day before we left, her throat was sore. I need an adjustment. You know, so it looks that like you know from an early age we've just instilled that value that it's about you know your adjustment will just help your nervous system fire, um, and that's really important. So um, yeah, I mean, I get adjusted regularly. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I'm hard on my body. Can you adjust a baby while it's in the tummy? Can I? Or can anybody? Or? Um, or there, there possibly could be techniques out there. Um, there are some techniques that chiropractors can use on the mother in regards to the positioning of the baby and things like that. I had actually um, one practice member call up probably about oh, 12, 12 weeks ago, and she just she's crying. You know, I need to talk to Dr. Matt, you know, calls up and um, I stopped him at chiropractor, let me just, for the record. Um, <laughs> she's just got off the phone to her GP because she's just had an ultrasound and they're saying, oh, the baby's breached and they're, you know, and he's saying I need to have a C-section and all of these, you know, all this fear going on in her. I said, no, you know, don't worry about that. I said, I know people where they're breached right up to the point and uh, where they're in labour. And then, you know, one hour before delivery, you know, baby turns and it's just a normal birth. So then they have all this unnecessary angst. And so, um, so I just said, no, oh, come in. We'll do, we can do some things just to try to help, you know, with the, with the baby's position. Um, and we did that. She went into labour and had a normal birth the next day. So, you know, you hear those stories. Did chiropractic do that? I don't know. Um, but, you know, did I help give a better chance of that taking place? I think so. Yeah. And, you know. and you certainly put her in a better frame of mind where oh. she would have been less terrified. She felt empowered again. Yeah. Because also now you have her doing something to help improve her health. So. Well, um, Dr. Sarah Farrant, you know, she had, I think her last was breech. And mm. she birthed it at home breech. Yeah. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. They just that uh, midwife there that knew and... And it was, this is the thing, is that we put fear in that breach isn't, isn't good, but there are a percentage of people that have breech babies, yeah. and you can birth a breech baby. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I just think you're right, we just keep putting fear in it. Mm-hmm. I remember when my son was, uh, my firstborn, he was probably about four or five months, and Howard had actually gone away, but we needed a chiropractor to come in and help, and she was staying with me, and I could not settle Brogan down. I just, no matter what I tried, I couldn't settle him down, so I woke up Lisa, it was Lisa Shelton, Lisa's listening, Dr. Lisa Shelton, I woke Lisa Shelton up, and I just said, I can't get him to sleep, can you just check him and make sure he's okay, because this is all I knew. I didn't know anything else. I was brought up in a chiropractic family, this is all I knew, and she adjusted him. As the adjustment's finishing, Brogan just goes, Phoom. he just yeah. relaxed and fell asleep immediately. My biggest warning to parents is, okay, my biggest warning to you after I adjust the child, and they, their eyes just go huge because they're yeah, yeah, yeah. fear, like yeah, fear yeah, yeah. response, they'll probably go home and have a really big sleep. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've had parents that go home, their child has this huge sleep because that's what their body needs, but their nervous system's overactive and so forth. And they go and they wake the kid up because they think something's wrong. <laughs> like, they have a really big sleep, just let them go. It's amazing. So, well, we yeah. had a story, we were travelling around Australia and we met up with a family that had five children in a Jayco. 
and the, the youngest was six months old, and the youngest wouldn't sleep. What's the Jaco? A Jaco van. Caravan. Oh, oh, oh like sorry, a, like a Jaco van. Like, like a Winnebago. Thing. And a Jaco is no, not a Winnebago. No, it's not first class. No, 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 no Carol, it's not no, first class. No, no, no. Is there anything other than that? It's camping, not glamping. It is definitely camping, not glamping. Who goes camping? I just let her tell the story. Yeah. I just stay out of it. <laughs> okay, Rajma. I don't even know why you're interested. <laughs> I mean, really. Rajma. <laughs> so, anyway, and he was a vet. And there was a conversation about nobody was sleeping in the Jayco because it's not, it's camping, not glamping. That's right. Anyway, Howard just said, oh, you know, do you want me to check your son out? And we, we called him Puggle. We called him the Puggle because he just was always wrapped up with his, in his mother. And the Puggle is a, a baby, what are those, a porcupine, whatever they're called, echidna. It's a oh. baby echidna and they're called a Puggle. So oh, this is a bit cute. It was. So we called this baby the Puggle. Anyway, that's beside the point. So how said, would you like me to adjust him? And it, because it was a vet who had a medical mentality, he went. He was a bit nervous, but he went, oh, geez, we've got to have some sleep. So Howard adjusts this baby just before they go to bed. And they all go to bed. In the morning, the father stomps over to our caravan. And we didn't have a caravan, we had a bus. We did go glamping. Anyway, he stomps over to us and just went, and Howard's thinking, oh, shit, what's happened? And basically, the father said, I didn't get a wink of sleep. I thought my child was dead. Didn't wake once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, now they, uh, they live here on the coast. They yeah. followed Howard home. They have seven kids now, and they're all chiropractic advocates. Because of that one thing, you know, this child was obviously in pain. There was something happening. And yeah. I love that. I want to ask you, whether a person comes in with a cold a flu, bronchitis, asthma, migraines, lower back pain, muscle aches and pains. Is there a, a similar way that you treat all of these conditions or is it really based on each case is quite different? Well, well they definitely all get seen to as an individual. So they might come in, you know, showing those symptoms, but I very much focus on what is their body doing. And if we can help in any way to help clear out any any interruption or obstruction to their body being able to express itself freely through the nervous system, I'm there to clear that out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a nutritionist, so I'm not putting them on a strict diet plan, but I can at least help guide them or at least start planting the seeds of, have you talked to a naturopath? You know, this is something that, you know, if it's, they need to go that way, or have you, you know, whatever it is, you know, talk to a personal trainer to start getting some exercise. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is they can do to help support themselves in increasing their increasing their resistance to stress, but I treat, or you know, I, I see every person as, as an individual and, and do what I feel is necessary for them. And, you know, if it's not necessary, I'm just thinking of some um, something in particular, and I haven't even asked my own chiropractor about this, so it's perfect timing. Yeah. So if, if a child's exhibiting behaviour that's just totally bizarre, mm-hmm. you know, totally bizarre behaviour, let's just say... It's a little person hitting everyone and anything and the behaviour is like the child is just really off the chain behaviour yeah. and constantly. Would chiropractic be a good place for her to start? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. I mean, one of, one of the things that I see with kids is they, have, they, they respond really well to adjustments. Like you see amazing results really fast with children. You know, they're not carrying 20 years or 30 years of... Of built up stress and tension. So, yeah. um, but one of you know one of the people that I see, her mum, uh, his you know this little boy that I see, his mum will bring him in, and her trigger 
because he stops listening. He's like, oh, he's just being such a little shit at the moment. He needs an adjustment. You know, give him oh, an adjustment. Yeah, ah. that's like a little trigger. It's like, he's not paying attention anymore. Um, and yeah, so now do I say, you know, any child with some sort of attention, you know, disorder, yeah, bring him in. You know, I don't put myself out there like that, but is, is a healthy functioning nervous system going to benefit that child? Absolutely. Mm. Look, I, I look at it this way. You know, these kids that can't stop, you know, they're constantly irritated and they're moving and, you know, they call them ADD and ADHD. They must be irritated to have to move. You know, like when you're Absolutely. irritated. Yeah, 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 when you're yeah. irritated, you want to move. But when yeah. you're calm, you're happy to sit there. And I reckon these kids have irritated nervous systems to the point where the only way they can be comfortable is, is to be on the constant move. And they can't concentrate because their nervous systems are constantly irritated. And, you know, you must, I'm sure you do see this over and over and over again. Once you take that irritation away from them, whether it be food, whether it be vertebral subluxation or whatever it might be, you see them change. You yeah, see absolutely. them change completely. And the thing that I think is really sad is that... The parents in the community or the environment relates to that child like mm. they're a, a troublesome child. Mm. Mm. Therefore, they get this belief that they're a troublesome child and they start to see that the world's against them, but we're really underneath and they don't know what's going on, but they're just crying out mm. yeah. for help so that when the adjustment does take place, they do change the diet or whatever they do, they could become a normal little person again. Then it's like everybody's meeting this child for the first time when they're eight, you know? Mm. We yeah. had that with our one-and-a-half-year-old. She, um, obviously, getting adjusted, pretty eating fairly healthy. She was quite a happy, calm little child. And then um, we left a box of Ferrero shares on the couch when we went to bed. And um, by the time we got up, she had polished off at least half of them. Oh, and we're like, oh, my goodness, you know, she's one-and-a-half. She's never very had little. Never had sugar. Never had sugar before. Oh. She's only, like, 10 kilos. She was really little. And um, oh, she geez. was furious. So she went through this like high part screaming, other world's amazing, about 20 minutes, <laughs> and then plummeted to this like screaming, crying baby. And she was sitting in the corner, hitting her head against the wall and biting her arm. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Oh like, my gosh. <laughs> and I know it was that sugar, it's the only thing that changed at that time and I was like that's what sugar will do to you on that one moment and like you know I was like you look like that classic ADHD label right now and I was it was so it was such an eye opener but she was just nuts and then what about know, school for you Chelsea with teaching yeah well how do you manage all these different types physical backgrounds health issues as a teacher there's a lot of responsibility on you to manage these kids. And a lot yeah. of parents blame teachers oh, for yeah. not controlling their child. <laughs> yeah, it's our fault. Totally yeah. underpaid, <laughs> I believe. Um, but what do you, how do you manage that? How do you look after yourself through that? Um, well, I think I, I'm mainly a drama teacher. That's my passion. And the, I think the reason I love it is the freedom in a drama classroom to be able mm. to adapt to the people that you're teaching a lot of other I'm also an English teacher and you know um, that's a lot more rigid in how, how you teach and the kind of classroom you're given even you know so the thing that I love about a classroom or the classroom I try to run is I I look at those kids and I try to see where they're at 
and then take them to that next step. Probably why I like the way that he thinks, you know, it's why it's easy to fall in love. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, just that whole, like, um, I try not to go, um, this is the way I teach, this is the way I like it. I go, who are you and what are your strengths and where are your weaknesses and where do I need to take you? To and that might be pushing them, and that, that might be the hard line, that might be the you know, the standing behind them line or the encouragement. It could be any kind of thing, but try to look at them what, what I think they need to move forward and do that. And the freedom of drama classrooms, I can do that through the person that wants to be in the limelight or the person that wants to be writing the notes in the back corner. I have all of that at my disposal, and so and the hard thing is, is that you know poor teachers you actually aren't necessarily given that freedom to do that which is hard because you know you're given deadlines and numbers to meet and minimal resources and big classes and small classrooms and you know and so it's not necessarily you might have that that beautiful view of wanting to teach kids like that but your hands are tied but I think that's what teaching is isn't it I mean it's it's showing them the path and their path and um Oh, I love it. It's yeah. just beautiful. What's your thoughts around school and the education system as far as learning relationships, money, um, like understanding things outside of the real world? Yeah. What's your view on that? Well, I think that... Um, how, do we, how do we get teachers... I mean, they've, they've got the structure yeah. and yet all the real stuff that really goes on outside of the school is not really touched on. Well, no, but I don't think learning is just in a school. So I think, you know, it's 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 one avenue that we can't go, well, you're in school now, so you should learn, you know, how to handle things emotionally and you should be learning how to read and to write and reflect and be critical. Like, that, this is not going to happen. You know, it needs to be applied across their life and, and all the people in their life, you know, that whole it takes a village to grow a child thing. And, um, and kids learn in so many different ways. I think that, um, yeah, you just have to take every opportunity and every person being responsible for growing those people in their lives. You know? well, this is where we started the podcast, was the institutionalisation <laughs> of our education and where do you really learn? You actually you know, don't learn it in the schools and the universities, you actually learn it in real life and, and that's where we started from. Mm-hmm. I, just want, I want to go back to your daughter. I'm, I'm sorry, I, 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 I want to say this. You know when your daughter had the sugar? And her whole personality changed. The three of us were at a dinner, and they both had sugar. No, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? The three of us were at a dinner, and there was a whole scenario done. And it was about a type one diabetic boy, and the emergency situation about this type one diabetic boy. And the mother, who was also the teacher of the boy, said that the months before he was diagnosed as a type one diabetic. He, showed, he displayed behavioural issues like you were talking about, where he was out of control. And you know what? If we knew that this is what these, these foods were doing to us, you know, I, and when I heard that, I, would, I didn't know that. I didn't know type 1 diabetics, they change their personality before they become that type 1 diabetic. So your daughter actually showed what a high sugar can do. Mm. And these kids have got high sugars because they're losing their beta cells and their insulin. Okay, so I just wanted to make that point because that really struck me when she was saying that, how he changed his personality. And I've heard it a couple of times, believe it or not, since. And interesting that it's a lot of boys. Yeah, a lot of the boys and a teenage, juvenile teenagers. It's all happening. 
But we're, we're just, we're past the hour. And I know, and I feel Didn't like... Did you ask them about anything to I, do with their intimacy and how they got <laughs> pregnant? <laughs> well, I wasn't actually going to go there. Where I wanted to go was, was your accomplishments, Chelsea, and what you've just done with a husband who runs an amazingly successful business and a busy business, which you work in, with two little babies under what? Um, two children four. under what? Four. And you're about to have your next in eight weeks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and could you just tell everybody what you have just done with regards to your career? Yeah. So just finished recording an, an EP, so a five-track album, music album, and um, that's a original songs which will be released on the 23rd of November. And can you tell everybody where we can listen to this? And oh yes, I can. Yay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you'll be able to purchase it on iTunes as of the twenty third of November. Woohoo! Yeah. So if you search Chelsea Horner and it's called Love Story, and um, yeah, that would be How really exciting. awesome. That'd be really awesome. That would that would yeah make really make me excited. Twenty third of November. <laughs> this in this will, what will happen is if this will probably forget oh, it. Yeah, we'll figure that out. We'll make sure that everybody we'll knows link. how to find we'll it. We'll get the link in there oh, yeah. so that everybody knows where to find it because I want to listen to it. I'm listen to are, it. are we on your email list? Um, you will be. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you better be. But yeah, I think one of the things you were talking about today, though, is, um, you know, about the possibilities because when this sort of, um, you know, the way it came to actually doing this is a really long story, but... You know, you look as you just rattled off all those things that you know is in my life right now, and then adding this music album on. Um, I know, <laughs> but, but for me, it's that whole thing about what what you're capable of and and what your purpose is and stuff like that. Because when it came to, it, I was like, I couldn't do that. I can't. I've got children. I've got responsibilities in business. Uh, you know, all these reasons why I couldn't. But there was like this driving, I suppose, almost of that purpose of like. But, but I need to because it's who I am. And um, although, believe me, it was far from just smooth sailing trying to coordinate all of that, I think um, what I really love to share with people is that, like, you know, if it's actually who you are and it's your purpose, like, you can do it in despite of the resistance. And the world's a better place than the fact that you did because that's the gift. That's your gift. And, um, yeah. I, I hope that people get that through it because I am just like everybody else and I've got all those things going on and um, and, and it's it's there. Like it's actually did it the other day because I got a master track. I had to check all the coding and all that kind of stuff. You know when you put it in your car and your name, like the, the artist comes up. There's my name. <laughs> you know, and I, I just burst into tears. I was just like, I did it. Like I actually did it, you know, after booking, you know, someone's calling 20 people in a day to get a babysitter but like, oh sorry I'm not busy and you know like and just all these different things and trying to time you know, all this kind of stuff and then be all creative and free and all at the same time and I, and I was sick on the one week that I had to record mm-hmm. so I'm nasally like oh, oh, I'm just trying to you know it took me ages to get the singing right and you know, all this kind of stuff and then um but I'm like and in despite of all that like in two weeks, there it is. Yeah. You know? Yay. So, sometimes women, when they're pregnant, actually become even more creative. They're kind of like, they're, everything's flowing. I think mine was the, uh, the other way around because I started and then became pregnant, so yeah. Yeah. everything right. was yeah. flowing. Everything was getting creative, let me tell you. <laughs> 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 pregnancy. Yes. 
the scratchy base and all. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, how do people find you then? All our WA listeners, how do they find you? Yes, um, so I have a couple of practices. So I'm in the regional areas of, um, of WA, so in Narragin and Brooklyn and Corrigan. Um, you can definitely just Google Google any of those places you'll find me. And I'm also in Ferndale, so my name of practice is Horner Chiropractic. Um, there's a website, hornerchiropractic.com.au. Um, but, you know, I always tell people, you know, you don't have to see me, just get seen by a chiropractor yeah, yeah. wherever you are. It's, yeah. you know, That's the one thing I love about chiropractic, yeah, actually. Absolutely. There is a real sense of community. Even when you go in there, compared to a doctor's surgery, when you walk into a doctor's clinic, everyone sits there, no one talks. Mm. Everyone's waiting in the waiting room to be seen to. The yeah. receptionist is usually quite stressed and doesn't talk to anybody. And there's a TV on, so no one relates. Yeah. And there's some magazines like Wildlife or a business magazine. But you wouldn't touch them if you're like, no. no. That's where all the, all the sick people. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to a <laughs> clinic and everybody's talking and mm. the CAs are beautiful and, and people all know each other. They hug you. Yeah. Everybody hugs you. and <laughs> It's a really beautiful, beautiful yeah. philosophy. And I would say to anybody listening to this, if you have never tried chiropractic, you're whether, you're, whether you feel you're having a health expression or not, then look at it as maintenance and a part of your self-care and mm-hmm. part of your well-being. Mm-hmm. And, and I love taking my oils in and Mark always uses different oils with me. They, they have the oils in the clinic when people come in. Mm. We're about to take a, a diffuser down there so that it increases the vibrational energy in the room. And all the carpenters are like, hell yeah. yeah. Not one of them went, what? Mm-hmm. It was just, it's such a neat philosophy. Mm-hmm. You're very privileged, both of you, to have been brought up in it. Yeah. Very, very privileged. Yeah. Gives us a good start in life, I, I think. I think a chiropractic household or being brought up with the philosophy of chiropractic gives you a brilliant start. Like, you would not have had medications or anything throughout no, your brain bring yeah, up, yeah. I haven't been vaccinated against anything yeah. I think we were just talking about it the other day Chelsea was asking me oh you know when you take antibiotics and you feel real sick I'm like no no I've never had antibiotics before and <laughs> said darling like, since we were married like maybe one time I went to the doctor she's like um oh um she was like sure there had been a time I've never been to the like well, you know, I don't see any. Well, there are times, you know. Don't get there are in a crisis, there are yeah. emergency. Where they don't come to me if you're broken leg. Yeah, no, <laughs> go to the emergency ward. <laughs> but as far as like I'm in my fifties and you're in your you're thirty, just thirty, and I've never had an antibiotic, you mm. know. So this is the, the the household that I was brought up in. If it's a life threatening situation, let's go there. Yeah. But if it's not, then no. So it's, I love hearing it. I love hearing it more and more that there are more families that are mm. beginning to realise that the, the power is within us. We just have to realise its potential by doing the right things by it. Absolutely. Mm. And the need being created out of the void that's been created. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if the medical system was doing an awesome job, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. But, you know, our profession is really built on the disappointments and failures of, of others, which, you know... Yeah, usually everybody's last time. Absolutely. I've tried everybody out, but <laughs> I tried chiropractic. It's hilarious. It's a paradox. They go from no hope to all hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they go, well, if we can't help you, no one can. Oh, okay, well, we better have hope then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What a top interview. Thank you so yeah. much for joining uh, us, both very of happy you. To be here. Don't be of the moment. We just spoke to them on the phone and said, we're going to interview you. 
So thanks for coming and have a safe trip back to WA. Give our love to the kitties. And good luck with your birth, my love. Thank you. Of both the baby and the album. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I am very clever. Everybody, I'm hilarious and I'm clever. I'm just going to add that in. So go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and let us know what your thoughts are about today's interview and we will make sure that we put Chelsea's contact details on the on the page here and we'll also put Matt's details on the page as well for all of our WA people so that you can get yourselves to a really awesome chiropractor. So thanks for joining us here today. You can also go to allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and you can post your comments there and join us here next week on Up For A Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you on the ride. Bye for now. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. 2015 marks perhaps the most important event the Wellness Couch has ever conducted. We've had two sold out wellness summits these last years, but honestly, nothing will come close to our first ever wellness breakthrough. Your favorite Wellness Couch experts, the Up For A Chat girls, Quirky Cookies Joe Whitten, Stu Hayes, Marcus Pierce, and of course the Wellness Guys are all gathering in Dandong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough in February. For more information, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavour to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.